it is March. And when it's March, that means, you know, March Madness is around the corner. But it also means this is one of the last opportunities players have to impress scouts. So in this episode, me and my guy, Mr. Mavs Draft, Richard Stamen, we're going to talk about some of the big risers and potential risers in March. Stay tuned. Big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. This episode is coming out a little bit late, but it will be up all weekend long. And I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies, which is going to be making a comeback real soon. And my co-host for today is a guy that you all know who he is, Mr. Mavs Draft, Richard Stamen. One of the bigger names in the mat in the draft Twitter space. And in today's episode, we're going to talk about a few of his sleepers or guys that are potentially big risers in March. But before we get into that, it's been a while. I think we haven't done a show in like a week or so, probably longer than that. So anything new in your world other than you going to TCU and SMU games? Yeah, no, uh, that's that's been the big thing. Yeah, that was where my last game is going to Conference USA tournament next week. Uh, hoping to check out some of those UAB guys, potentially Florida Atlantic. Um, so that's what I got coming up. And then might be seeing Overtime Elite uh, actually in a couple of weeks. Are you to the pro day? Yeah. Uh, I don't. I actually don't know about the pro day. Honestly, I was just invited to the facility. So uh, we'll see. I've, I've heard good things. It's because I've ranked Osar Thompson a little bit low. Uh, that, was, that was the challenge was come see the facility and what we're about. So Yeah, I was invited to attend their pro day. So on April 6th. And then I was at a, a forum last weekend with um, Damian Wilkins and then some other people from Overtime. And so I did a podcast a few weeks back that a few weeks back that um, pretty much gave a different story about Overtime and killed some of the misconceptions. And I guess it went over very well with with them, but could be in the same boat because I, I don't have Arsenal in my top 10 either So um, in the last mock that I did. But anyway, maybe he could be a riser the last few weeks of, I, mean, I think they're in the finals. Um, not sure if they're going to even participate in their pro day. But let's talk about your, your guys that you think a big march could really help their draft stock. Or, I mean, I guess you can say that for a lot of guys, but who are the guys that stand out to you that could use a boost in their draft stock with, with a good performance this month. Yeah. I feel like it depends on the year. Sometimes you get the players who go from undrafted to second round, which I'll touch on a couple guys on that front, but really I see guys this year. It feels, and every year it's different. Sometimes you get the guys who go from mid first to lottery because of it. Some guys go second to first. I think you're looking more at somewhere in the blend of that, where there's guys at the fringe first round picks that could solidify themselves as first round picks. I call that like the Mo Wagner kind of guys. Um, obviously not comparisons, but just that general outlook. And then there are some guys that I could see going from what is fringe. They've gone back and forth on the lottery because of their upside. And then if they actually prove consistency, there could be that. So I'll start with the the hotter ones that could rise back into the lottery. I think really you can make the argument for any, this is a cop out a little bit, um, any one of the Duke guys, but I think the two that are most likely to make a jump are Dariq Whitehead, who 
He's been plagued a little bit by injuries. He started with the foot injury a little bit late to the season, had a gruesome foot injury in January, came back pretty quick. Um, but his production since then just it's been inconsistent. If he can prove consistency, I think he's one. And then Derek Lively, who's just he's had three games on, one off. If he could just do the three games on, I don't I don't know if Duke's gonna even play three games kind of thing. But if he can have just a hot March madness performance, both ACC tournament and NCAA tournament, big things are coming for him. Do you think that both could end up being in the first round if they don't have strong performances? I think only I really do think it's going to end up. I want to say, like, just from tape, I think only one could be it. But we know the pre-draft workouts mean a lot to NBA teams. So I think both will end up getting there. I I mean, my whole thing is, look, Peyton Watson went 30th last year. Like, why would Derek Lively not go 29th, 30th too? Because he's better than Peyton Watson was. And for me, I think, I think Derek Whitehead's the more obvious one to go first round just because he has, um, he's had a little bit, I feel like he added some extra weight that could easily be shed and that could be, you know, hidden upside. Also just, he hasn't been healthy. If he kills it in workouts, like he's a six, what, six, five, six, six creator. Here's my impression, right? Derek Whitehead is not better than Riley Google from Florida. Now, if Riley had the same hype and buzz coming in as Whitehead has with his production of late, everybody would be talking about him as a lottery pick. I mean, if you look at the numbers, he had 19 against Georgia. 20 against Vanderbilt, 24 against Kentucky, 17 against Arkansas. I mean, he's averaging nine, nine points, but as of late, he's been on a tear. I mean, 19, 20, 24, 17, 12, 18, 15. Those have been his last few games. He's on a tear, but because he doesn't have this pre-college hype, the same type of buzz, then he's not, he may not get the benefit of the doubt. Whitehead and Lively are going to get the benefit of the doubt because they were hyped coming in. And that's part of the game that I don't necessarily like. What I, another thing that I, it kind of bothers me in a sense is that, and I, and I get it. And I've had different people tell me this. If you're a GM and you select Derek Whitehead, and it's not a knock on Whitehead, but if you select Derek Whitehead at number 16 and he doesn't work out, it doesn't impact your job because most people kind of had him in that range. But if you select Riley Kugel at 16 and he doesn't work out, now you lose your job because you reached. And it's all based off of the hype coming in. And so for me personally, when I do my next mock, I mean, I, I think Riley is going to be, I have him as a first rounder. I think he's that good. And yes, okay, you can say it is a seven or eight game sample size, but he's trending in the right direction at the right time, 6'5", athletic, really bouncy, and uh, I'm, I'm high on him. And so um, I'm just curious to see if Whitehead goes above him. And it will strictly be based off of pre-college hype. So yeah, kind of I mean, how many times did we talk last year about, I mean, there were two guys that did absolutely nothing in college and both were first rounders, Patrick Baldwin Jr. and Peyton Watson. I think Baldwin has at least looked like the 29th pick or whatever he was, 28th. I think he's been right around there where like, hey, he's played some minutes, he's had flashes. But like, not to keep roasting the guy, but like Peyton Watson did nothing in college. It was all pre-high pre, pre -high school. 
it's really unfortunate that, that stuff matters so much because I agree. Riley Kugel is awesome. I liked him last year right after I looked him up after he looked, he did decommitted Mississippi state. He was a, uh, he was just an unsigned recruit and he's just a late bloomer in every regard. I mean, same thing a year ago, he just decommitted. He was a very late signee at Florida and he's killing it. And honestly, I thought, I thought him or Kawasi Reeves, and I might be saying that wrong. Um, I thought one of those two would, would emerge or Alex Fudge. And really it's just been Kugel and like, he's really good. I agree with you. The hype has made Derek Whitehead a much higher rated prospect than honestly he should be. Cause we talk about this. If you just remove the label of what you had as expectations is Whitehead a top 30 guy. Probably not. Like he's a guy who would be considered a sleeper. Exactly. And that's why NBA big war got to be a little bit different. <laughs> Because we're not following the the consensus here, which is, I mean, trusting our gut and going off our gut feeling. And I mean, I could be wrong, but that that is my gut feeling right now. If I did not know the names and I just watched, and of course, you got to take in the context that Whitehead may not be a hundred percent, but as far as like the explosiveness and Kugel, all that he has shown me, I mean, I, I would take him ahead of Whitehead right now. All right, who is next on, on your list of guys that could potentially see their stock rise with a with a strong with a strong march? Yeah, so obviously Derek Lively's included, but kind of the same boat. We I think it's a little bit redundant to talk about him, but I think Colby Jones is somebody who people know about, but I feel like the big east, it's all, like maybe it's because it's always on Fox Sports and Fox, it's not easily replayable to a lot of people. Like ESPN, you can watch back every game for 30 days, right? So Colby Jones doesn't play almost any games on ESPN. I think a lot of people haven't seen him. Now, obviously, that's not necessarily how NBA scouts operate. They use synergy, things like that. But I do think Colby Jones in the mainstream and GMs are going to be seeing him for the first time. Like, let's be real. GMs don't study the players unless you're like a lottery team for the most part. Like, I know um, I know of one GM that was at a game out here in DFW um, during All-Star break. But how often are these guys seeing him? So I think Colby Jones is somebody who he just does a little bit of everything. For those who don't know, he's about 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. He's kind of a combo guard. I don't even know his specific position. There's really none. He's a jack of all trades, 15 points a game, five rebounds, almost five assists, a steal and a half, a half a block game, a game, 52% shooting, 41% from three, 69% from the line. So there's just a lot to like with him. I think if he has a, couple big games like one in the big east tournament and one in the ncaa tournament like the first game i i imagine for them is going to be like a 413 or something 314 it's not going to be that one but the next game if he goes off that would be big for his stock yeah i think he's in a weird predicament he has over 79 games of experience if he plays well then you know it can only help him but let's let's say worst case scenario he plays bad he still has 79 games of experience, 79 games of film that you can watch to have a fair assessment of his game. But sometimes I wonder if you are a junior or a senior and the lat, you know, there are some people that are going to wonder like, well, what took, you know, why you weren't good enough to leave after your freshman year, sophomore year. And then if you have a bad, you know, ending to your season, I do think in some cases that sticks with guys, which is unfair because, like I said, he has enough games where you should 
have a, a very accurate assessment of, of who he is. But if he gets outplayed by a freshman or I mean, you just know how, how it's I mean, it, it's human, right? It, it's very human. Sometimes you can't unsee things. I think he should be one of the safer guys, regardless whether he has a, a huge performance or he does the opposite. I think he should be pretty safe. All right. When we return, we'll talk about a few more guys that could potentially have a huge march. But let's talk about the Nissan Most Electric Player of the Week, which is brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. And I'm going to throw this back to Richard for a little bit. If you had to choose, who was your player of the week? I know mine was Jalen Hood, Shafino, after he had the, the big game against against uh, Purdue. If you yeah. had to choose, would you go with that one also? I, I It's hard not to. He had 35 points. It was all NBA related scoring. I mean, Colby Jones was good. I think he went nine of 10 in his last game against Providence. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty nice. And he had a loaded stat line. All right. So let's go with two. Jalen Hushafino is mine and Colby Jones is Richards. Those are your most electric players of the week. They both had big games in front of scouts. And again, it's March. So it really matters. So let's talk about the Nissan Aria. It is electric. It is brilliantly fierce. Fiercely elegant, stunningly powerful, elegantly powerful, and it delivers on duality. The combination of fierceness and elegance, but it's beautiful and strong. It is the perfect SUV crossover. And the 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin you to your seat power and premium intelligence all in one electric vehicle. It is the all new, all electric 2023 Nissan Aria. The EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. All right, second segment. We talked about Derek Whitehead. We talked about Derek Lively, Kobe Jones. I mentioned Riley Kugel. Who is next on your list as far as guys that you think could improve their draft stock? I'll go with, I, I have to say his name once an episode, right? I have two guys that I have to hit on, you know, like saying their name at least once. So I'll do it. If Miami goes far, I think Isaiah Wong's stock will go up. I mean, they made the Elite Eight last year. If they make a similar second weekend run, um, even if they just lose in the Sweet 16, I think it could do a lot, especially if he's shooting the three ball well, because that was the whole thing. NBA teams told him, hey, shoot the ball better, and he has. He's shooting 38% from three. If he can do it when teams are really locked in and they have a hard game plan against him, I think that would be impressive. It, like, do you feel like he's a guy that they have so much film on that some people's minds are already set on who he is? I could see it. I mean, it also doesn't help him that, I mean, he's a, last year in his junior year, they, they played what, four or five games in March in the tournament. So like, there is that as well. Like they, uh, they just, they played a lot of games. And like you said, I mean, he's had a lot of exposure. Could something be made up? I really do think, though, because I don't think he shot the ball that well. Like, I'm trying to find the game log uh, for last year. And let's look at what he did. So I'll do from the four games he played in the conference tournament. Yeah, he didn't shoot the three ball at all. He made three threes across uh, four games, and that was on 14 attempts. So that if he does better from three, I could really see that changing the minds of scouts. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it, it's it's really weird because I think – if you are a freshman and you have a strong tournament, it helps. But then again, I, I and I mentioned before, I thought like Arthur Kaluma last year should have at least tested the waters. 
because that Kansas game, it was a big game. It was, it was I think, no, it was the North Carolina game that, that it was like the huge comeback, right? But yeah. I know it was a game in Fort Worth, but it was a big game. You had the attention of, I mean, pretty much the basketball world in a sense from a scouting perspective, played well. He's come back, and I, I started to see him fall off different draft boards. I know he fell off mine. Has a chance to to be back on, but I mean, this is a guy that I thought coming into the season was arguably the best sophomore, the best sophomore in in the country between him and Terquavion. And I said all that to say this: I I think it's a little bit difficult for a a sophomore, junior, senior from like a Power Five conference to change their perception. In, in a matter of a couple games. But if there is a guy that I think has a chance, it is someone like Wong that people know about him. They know he can score, but he does have like this one concern that if he addresses it with some strong shooting, then then, then maybe then maybe it can help him out. Is there anyone else? Yeah, so I would say this is somebody who, as we're recording, is playing in their conference tournament. So um, he might he might lose, he might stay in. It'll all depend on what happens in this game, and I know it's close, but this is somebody who I've seen both as like an undrafted range and also I've seen as like a solid second-round guy, and that's Tucker DeVry. Uh, I think it's Tucker DeVry. It's like DeVry. I, I forget how to say it, but DeVry. Sniper. Absolute sniper at 6'7". He's the Missouri Valley Conference Player of the Year. He is a lethal, lethal shooter coming off screens just outstanding off-ball player just in general that's going to be his role in the nba that size and shooting ability is going to get him drafted i i'm firmly a believer that he gets drafted now if they lose in the conference tournament i could kind of see it hurting them because they're an nit team not as much eyes but if they make the ncaa tournament and i I can't remember do you remember if fletcher mcgee at wofford did they win a game or do they lose because i know he was somebody who had a lot of eyes on him but it was much different because he was smaller he was only like six three but he was a lethal shooter i don't remember honestly i don't remember i'll have to i'll to look this up so give me one second but like you know those guys who are just absolute shooters if they can carry their team to a win i really do think it meet it, it can carry a lot of weight so they beat seaton hall so yeah they, they pulled off the upset and then he played pretty poorly honestly against kentucky but you know, if, even if he plays two games in the NCAA tournament, I can see it being a big thing for him. As long as the second game is like below average at worst, not not like Fletcher McGee was four of seventeen. Yeah, two games in the NCAA tournament would be huge for Tucker. The thing I, I like about him is, yes, I know he can shoot. He has as close as I mean, I I can think of as far as like a picture perfect form and release. But I like that he'll bully some weaker guys. He's not just uh, a shooter in the NBA. That will be his role. I mean, NBA, he is going to just have a, a, a reduced role as a floor spacer, but I like how if there's a smaller guard on him, he's not going to bail you out by shooting over the top of you. Every time he'll take you to, to his sweet spots. Uh, he can get to his pull up. Um, strong um he does have a, a a crafty like one dribble pull up shot fake in his arsenal but the pull up shooting is just as good as the the outside shooting so i like him a lot i i i do think two games for him especially if they play like a team that is known for being athletic 
and he shines in that situation. Because, of course, the knock on him is that he's not a vertical athlete, doesn't have the NBA athleticism. But if he can play well against a team that has some really good athletes, I think that could definitely, definitely help help out him. Is there anyone else? Let's do one more. So another shooter. This is somebody who I go back and forth on if I actually like him or not. But another off-ball threat at 6'7". His team's going to get a lot of attention because I think people are starting to sour on them because they haven't won the title despite always being in that mix. And that's Julian Strother of Gonzaga. His shot chart, I just tweeted out a couple of days ago. It's absolutely crazy. The only blue zones, there's there's four in the two-point arc or within the three-point line that are blue, which is bad. And that has a combined five shots, so it doesn't really mean anything. But everywhere else he shoots from, he's just lights out. He's really good at the rim. He's really good at the top of the key, just the wings, one of the corners. The other corner is his other weak spot. But if they win a few games, it would not shock me if it's because he's gone off. And he's somebody who just feels like at that size, he's going to be an off-ball threat. I don't like his on-ball ability very much. He's very much a straight-line driver, doesn't have any ball handling, I don't think, enough to be a threat at the NBA level. But I do think he's somebody who you could just plug and play as if day one off-ball threat. Yeah, I want to touch on Julian a little bit more. But first, let's talk about Bilt Bar, because if you are like me and you want to Get in better shape, eat a little bit healthier, but you're worried about the taste, then Built Bar is for you because with Built Bar, you can eat healthy and you don't have to compromise the taste. And that is because they are made with 100% real chocolate. Or let me let me let me go back. They are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, that is correct. Covered with 100% real chocolate. They come in good flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. I don't know how they do it, but they are able to make it tasty while maintaining amazing macros, only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. What's cool about Built Bar, which started recently, is that you can actually go to Walmart or Sam's Club and get a box. Before, you used to have to go to Built.com. Now, if you want to go to Sam's and get a 13-bar box of brownie batter and churro, it's right there at Sam's. If you want to go to Walmart, just go to the pharmacy section and you can get a four box, four bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate or coconut puffs. And if you don't want to leave the house and you're still, you know, in the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You're still in your uh, COVID mode where you're staying in the house and you do everything online. Then you can just go to built.com. All right. Last segment, we left off talking about Julian Strother and he has he has definitely improved his stock. This year, I first saw him play, I want to say it was maybe 2019 under under 19. This is crazy. If I'm not mistaken, I saw him at this tournament. It was in Greece. I think he was representing Puerto Rico. But in the same tournament, it was Kay Cunningham, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley. Well, Mobley didn't play. He was hurt, but he was on the roster. Um, it was a talented team, and it seems like those guys have been, even though they've been in the NBA a couple of years, it just seems like that was so long ago, and he's still in school. He may have been a little bit younger. There's a few other guys that played in that tournament, like Omar Balo from Arizona. He played in it, but he was like 16 at the time. So Strother's been on my radar for a while. He had a good freshman year, nothing you know too crazy, 
Well, I shouldn't say that. He had a good sophomore year. His freshman year, he averaged like three points a game. Kind of put his name on the map as a as a sophomore. I thought he was a shooter, but not a great shooter. The 36% from three. And I was really concerned about the low release on his shot. Wondering if he could get it off in the NBA. So the one thing, well, I, there was a couple of things that I wanted to see improve for him this year. One was going from a, a, a really good shooter to like a great shooter, like an absolute sniper, since that is going to be the skill set he would need to hang his hat on. I think he's done that. He's up to 42% from three. He's had some monster shooting games. And like you said, the, the shooting zones are are great. The passing is still somewhat of a concern. As far as finishing at the rim, I don't, I don't, I don't know. But I think the shooting now is actually good enough because I felt like if he shot 36% like he did last year, I didn't think that was great enough to offset some of the the concerns but at 42 percent, you have to pay attention so do you think that he could sneak into the late first round first round is bold he would have to have a killer combine because i think he'll get invited but if not if he's not there i don't think so i think he's more a mid-second round pick who just surpasses expectations pretty easily but he's somebody who, I mean, I agree with everything you said. The passing is going to be a big thing. And also, like, you know, the finishing's nice, but, like, how real is it? A lot of it is just simple finishes. It's not he's creating these tough looks, finishing against contact, things like that. So I, I'm in the same boat with that. I mean, it's it's hard to predict what he'll be outside of shooting. All right, here's a question for you. So, you know, a lot of people say the free throw percentage is a good indicator of shooting touch. What is your bare minimum free throw percentage for a guy that's going to play a role as a shooter what is the bare minimum you want to see before you're kind of like "Hmm, i'm a little i always say like if you're looking for a great shooter it depends some of some guys are anomalies i mean our boy turquavion smith has the weirdest splits where he's shooting 70 percent of the line oche baji had that weird issue but i think he's translated really well but generally i would say Seven, 75 is a bare minimum like that's a that's almost a flag i would say if you're at 78 77 percent that's probably where you want to be if you're supposed to be a great shooter i would honestly say 80 if you're supposed to be like one of the top shooters you should probably have an 80 percent free throw percentage i mean even just let's count let's go backwards desmond bain for example he was always flirting with 50 40 90 in his junior year for those who don't know it's just unbelievably absurd he had eight, 15 points a game on 50% shooting 42 and a half percent from three and 87% from the line. Like that was so obviously going to translate Aaron Neesmith, for example, also in that draft, 82 and a half percent, both years, actually he was at Vanderbilt. So like that 80% mark is probably a sure sign that it's going to translate 77, 78 is like a, you know, good. It's odds are it'll translate barring if there's eye test flags is how I would put it. Strava is 74% for his career from the foul line. 69 as a freshman, very limited, very, very limited <laughs> sample size there. 70 last year and 77 this year. So obviously he's trending in the right direction. But is that a little concerning to you? A little. I would say because he only took 23 his freshman year. If you take that entire sample size out, He's up to 74.6, so round up 75. It's like, it's close enough, but 
what scares me about him, this has always worried me. He has, like you said, he has a really low release. Like, I, I just, I don't like low releases personally. It's kind of concerning. Is there another player on, on your list that you think could really help himself in March? Or or maybe even already has? Yeah, so not yet. Uh, this guy has to play in his conference tournament, which I think starts actually as we're recording this. I think his team has a bye. I have to double check, but it doesn't really matter. That's Jalen Slauson of Furman. He's somebody who I've every time I watch him, I'm blown away. Obviously, the competition that he's facing in the Big South, or excuse me, the Southern Conference, uh, isn't world class, but and and he didn't play great out of conference, but he dominated Belmont, who they have Ben Shepard. They're a pretty good team. They actually lost mm-hmm. today. Um, he did really well against South Carolina. That's an SEC team, even if they are bad, but he almost looked better than Gigi Jackson in that game, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Gigi was really good, but Jalen Slauson was great. And then he also played Penn State, where while and in every one of these games, the volume of scoring wasn't great, but he did something else. I think he had minimum five assists, five rebounds in every one of those other games too. So I really like what he's done. I think I personally, if you're trying to pick an upset in that 13, 14 team, Furman is the team. Like if they win their conference, it's them. Jalen Swanson is a Jack of all trades, master of none kind of guy. The shots a little bit slow, but kind of like we talked about the free throw percentage it's there. He shoots 38%, 78% from the line. Uh, now he's a fifth year senior. And if you actually accumulate it all, it's okay. It's 75 and a half, but just these last two seasons, since he really exploded as a scorer, 79% from the line, 34% from three. So a little bit of give and take there. Yeah, I think they're going to be a dangerous team because their backcourt is older. Like, I, If I'm not mistaken, both guys are yep. fifth-year guys. And I think that is a, a recipe for, for success in, in college basketball, especially in the, you know, the NCAA tournament where it's just one game. So yeah, that, that could be a, a really good. Hopefully they win, um, but yeah, that would be a very interesting team. That team's probably be a little bit scared, scared to face. A guy that I'm high on that I think will put himself a, as a lock in the first round. I mean, they have to make it to the tournament. I don't even know if they're even a lock to make it, but Michigan, Kobe Bufkin. Oh, there, I thought of Bufkin, but I didn't say him because. I don't think Michigan's going to make it. I think they're well on the outside looking in. Man, it's – <laughs> they need to make it. Uh, obviously, they, they need to make it. But I actually had a scout tell me he thinks that Kobe Bufkin is their best player. You know, if you would have said that a few weeks back and, – and the scout even mentioned to me, and I, I'll write about it on, on NBA Big Board. He mentioned that when he saw Michigan play live earlier in the year – he was really impressed with Jet Howard. And then he mentioned that as of right now, he thinks Jet is their third best player. Um, but as far as prospect, he thinks that Kobe Bufkin is is a guy that could really put himself in in the first round. I think he even mentioned that he probably has him late first round right now, but a couple strong games could really help him a lot. He mentioned that he was younger. And um, he said he just really likes what he brings to the table and that how, how he has gotten better as the season went on. And so, um, yeah, it, it'd be interesting. But I think that if Michigan, <laughs> if they can get in, that would be good for him. But even if he has a really strong Big Ten conference 
tournament, then I think he could definitely secure a spot in the first round. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I I think for the record, um, I'm assuming when you say best player, you mean the prospects. I think Hunter Dickinson is their easily their best player. So I want to clarify that. But I agree. I mean, you know, my I think we talked about Jet Howard. I think he can play out of control too much. And Kobe Bufkin can play a lot more controlled within the system. And I think if he wanted to do what Jed Howard did, if he swapped their roles, their numbers would probably swap too. I mean, I think Bufkin also has the free throw percentage. Like he has all the indicators to suggest that shot is so real that I think if he got more of a leash that Jed Howard had, or if just Jed Howard wasn't there, if it was just take one or the other, Mm -hmm. he would be a much bigger riser. Yeah, well, the thing that a scout mentioned to me was he said the thing that made Jet intriguing was his size and his shooting. But he said if you look at this draft, you can find quite a few guys that are 6'8 that can knock down shots. And he feels like Buffkin does something that's a little bit different. There's not as many guys that are draftable that can do what Buffkin does while he feels like there's such a premium or, or such a – good amount of guys i mean we talked about somebody like devries or or i mean you can talk about grady dick who i think is going to be the first or, or second in that range but he, he felt like between like 15 through 40 strawther's another name you can find guys that at a good size that can knock down open shots all right is there one more player that you want to talk about man i'll i'll this one's a little bit of shot in the dark because I think they're also on the I'm, I'm double checking. I think they're on the bubble, but USC has a guard that I like. I didn't like him when he was at Memphis. Uh, and, and according to Joe Lenardi, I know he's not like the best bracketology guy, but they have okay. him as they have USC <laughs> as the first, oh, last four uh, by as one of those teams. So I think he's pretty secure. And that's just, I really, really like Boogie Ellis. I cannot believe I like him. I shouldn't because he's an, you know, it's almost a diamond dozen. He's a six three guard, but he's absolutely exploded since he came to USC. The the first year jump from ten to twelve points a game wasn't much of a jump, but everything looked smoother. And then this year, he's shooting an elite number on catch and shoot. I just closed out of the tab by accident, but you can tell by his percentages: thirty nine percent from three, eighty one percent from the line. And he's gotten hot. He just had an, a thirty five point game, and he's had five straight games of double digits over that span. He's averaging 25 points a game on 69% true shooting percentage. So like it's, it's crazy on eight and a half attempts from three a game, he's shooting 50%. So I think he's somebody that could rise as one of those guards where you're like, Hey, what about this guy? He runs the pick and roll so smoothly. And as we know, the pick and roll is massive in the NBA. So I like him. Yeah. I like him too. I think he's definitely helped himself. Um, It just seems like he's been in school forever. Was he in the Wiseman class? Did he go to Memphis with Wiseman? He is a four-year player. Let's, uh, yeah, yeah. He was in that Wiseman class. Yeah, so it <laughs> seems like forever ago. The guy on USC that I really like, I like Drew Peterson. I really like Drew Peterson. I don't know if he gets drafted. I like him as the sleeper that if he goes to the right team and right situation, he could he could really um, help a team at least crack crack a, a back end of a team's rotation somewhere down the line because at his size what is he 6'9 he can pass he can rebound I, I really like Drew Peterson he's my favorite guy on, on USC yeah he's somebody who I've watched him over the years change a lot so I've seen that first impression just sticks with me so much I can see it going either way yep yep definitely 
All right, well, that wraps up this episode. We just talked about a few guys that we think that could boost their draft stock with a strong march. Thank you for making the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. Now, for your second listen, you have to check out Game to Game NBA. The Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. So follow Game to Game on the Locked On NBA channel, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow with Richard Stamen. Hope everyone has a great weekend, and we are out.